do you have a hard time getting along with other people? Like, would you consider yourself um, dysfunctional? We're probably all a little bit dysfunctional. But we're going to talk about the different areas of dysfunction and how do we get along with different people who differ from us and all that. What does the Bible have to say about that? Also, is God non-binary? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to find out today in our Bad Doctor of the Week, we're going to talk about the Sparkle Creed, and it's every bit as bad as it sounds. Um, all that today and more on the Digging Deeper podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Digging Deeper podcast. Uh, if you haven't joined in, uh, our goal in this podcast is to dig a little bit deeper into that week's sermon, so that way we might dig it a little bit deeper into our hearts. We are so glad they all joined us here today on this rainy day. It's a rainy day here. Yeah, I don't know if it's rainy when you're watching it, but we are glad you all joined us. My name is Chris Brown, and I'm the associate pastor here. My name is Jacob Belding. I do connections and outreach at First Baptist Hazel. Mm-hmm. And I'm Judah, the guy in the chair. Yeah, yeah. What are you supposed to say, Judah? Make sure to like, <laughs> comment, and subscribe. There we go. We are working our way up to 300 subscribers. If we can get there, then I don't know, we'll throw a party, a pizza party. Best Buy used to do that. They would say, if you can sell enough stuff, we'll get you a pizza party. And I was always like, can you just pay us more? You're right. Uh, oh, I love all the memes. Yeah. It's- Oh, yes. Multi-million dollar company. We made the company millions this year. And the reward, and they, like, lift up, like, what's going to, like, the meal warmers. And it's, like, slop. <laughs> it's, like, just pay yeah. us more. What's the matter? Yeah, I remember being a little bit offended because I was, like, I'm an adult. If I want to go buy pizza, I will go buy pizza. Right. Um, like, it's, yeah. like, a that – was, that incentive worked when I was in seventh grade. Yeah, 100%. Um, but anyways, it has nothing to do with today's uh, right, podcast. Right. Um, but we got Jacob and Judah are back last week. Uh, they were both out, but we've got the tried and true trio in the room here. And we're going to get into this week's sermon. This week's sermon is called How to Get Along with Anyone. Do you all have problems getting along with people? Not usually, but every once in a while, yes. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. Judah? So, yeah. Yeah. You do? You do? <laughs> just generally. Uh, and I'll, I'll name him. Who? I'll name Who? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. It's like, getting real. It's a, a Joshua, <laughs> his brother. My brother. Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay. Anyways, you, you had a, an example? Um, no, I was just going to say, you know, normally I get along with people, uh, but for those, you know, whenever I'm not getting along with somebody, it's clearly them. It has oh, yeah. nothing to do with me. Ever. It, yeah, that's yeah. always how it is. Yeah. Sometimes I have a hard time getting along with my daughter, Lottie. Um, well, she's three. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah <right. laughs> Has anybody ever actually figured out how to perfectly get along with a two year old, a three year old? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't think so. And like the way they respond, they just like stonewall you. It's <laughs> like, hey, I need you to go brush your teeth because it's time to get ready for bed. And the end, no. And they just sit there, like, as if that's actually going to work for yeah. them. <laughs> Whenever Lottie was two, I would try to reason with her, and you can't reason with a two-year-old. Um, she's a she's three and a half now, so there's sometimes it depends on the day. There's some days I can reason with her, mm-hmm. and then other days like no, no, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yep. 
anyways, if you have a hard time getting along with people, then this sermon is for you. Pastor Lee preached, again, it's called How to Get Along with Anyone. It actually came from a Reader's Digest article. I didn't even know Reader's Digest was still a thing. Me neither. I've never read a single Reader's Digest in my life. I'm still not exactly sure what it even is. Um, I'm sure you read things in it. But anyways, uh, he was reading an article and talked about how to get along with people, and he's... He saw the list of people and he's like, hey, let's uh, take a biblical approach to this and figure out, okay, um, how do we respond to these different types of personalities and people uh, and and different type of character traits in a biblical way, Mm -hmm. which I think is cool. I I think that's always like a good question to ask in our everyday living. What is a biblical response to things? Even like in the most practical, practical, practical of things. Okay, what does the Bible have to say about this? And sometimes the Bible doesn't have anything to say about it, but a lot of times I think we'll find it has something to say about it, um, generally speaking, at least in principle. Yes. Um, so, that's uh, what the what the sermon is today, is uh, how to get along with anyone. And it's actually going to be a two-part sermon, I believe. Mm-hmm. That's what he said. And uh, there's there's a whole list of different traits uh, of personalities and, and the way that people act. And he covered the first four mm-hmm. in this one, and then he's going to cover, I guess, the next four? Yeah, I think uh, mm-hmm. this Sunday we have look, to look forward to the complainer, the contrarian, the politician, and the drama queen. The so, politician is yeah, one? <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I missed that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I imagine it's going to be uh, the politician has got to be somebody that uh, you know is able to sort of you know uh, spin any situation into and, politics. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, it doesn't even have to be politics, oh, okay. but somebody. Who's, oh, I see. Who, I get what you're saying. They can take a situation that they're in and spin it. Maybe like they know. themselves are acting like a politician. Right. right. I see. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. I just I don't know. I haven't read the Reader's Digest article. Because, <laughs> yes. You know, I'm not I sure. But, I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Something to look forward to. I really can't wait for to hear what he says about drama yes. queens. That ought to be great. Yes. Yeah, so, so that's next week is going to be those. This week, uh, the the types of friends we have uh, are the frenemy, mm-hmm. the chatterbox, the slightly crazy, and the introvert. Mm-hmm. I'll let y'all guess which one's me. <laughs> um, slightly crazy. <laughs> the slightly crazy one. Uh, but anyways, before we get into it, you comment down below, which one of these are you? Of the frenemy, the chatterbox, the slightly crazy, the introvert, and what's next week's? The complainer. Contrarian, the politician, and the drama queen. Yeah. Which one's you? We want to know. And then we're going to let you know why you shouldn't be that. Okay. That's right. Uh, <laughs> uh, Judah is definitely the drama queen. Is that no. you? Yeah. <laughs> So out of the ones today, let, let, let's, yeah, ju- yeah. let's just get a feel. Okay, so the frenemy, the chatterbox, the slightly crazy, and the introvert. Judah, which one are you? Uh, introvert. You're the That's introvert? Yeah. Okay. Oh, of the ones today? Of the ones today. Mm. That's a tough one. Um, I'm going to go with chatterbox. Chatterbox? Okay. I'll go with chatterbox. I'm going to go with the introvert. I'm just, I'm such a natural introvert, and... uh. Sometimes people uh, are surprised when they hear me say that, uh, but actually, I do a lot to combat my introvertedness. But by default, like like I, I recharge alone. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, okay, we'll get into all that. First up, we got the frenemy. Uh, do Do you want to? Do you have the definition of that that you gave? <clears throat> yes, a frenemy. These are people in your life who act as your friend but do enemy like things to you 
pretty consistently. Mm-hmm. So they're uh, a bit of a backstabber. Yeah. Um, they will uh, maybe hear some, uh, if you share personal information about yourself, um, then a lot of times what they'll do is they'll take that personal information and go and spread it uh, around to other people and let other people know, uh, especially if it's things that, you know, uh, like, oh, that was really supposed to be confidential mm-hmm. or, um, you know, and, and they'll use that in different ways to hurt you. Yeah. So it's the, the typical, like, when we're face-to-face, everything's good, yeah. and, and there's kind of a front, and then, we're, and then as soon as they leave, they're like, oh, I hate it when they talk to me. Yeah. It's like Mean Girls, uh, yeah. Yeah. if y'all have ever seen Mean Girls. Um, you haven't seen that, Judah? Is, it, is, that, is that a millennial thing? I think it's a millennial thing. Yeah, Didn't, it must be. You've never heard of Mean Girls? No. Are you serious? You need to go. That's a classic, man. A, have you seen it? it? Yeah, I've seen okay. it. Okay. It's a, and for a chick show, it's, uh, it has its moments. Yeah. It's not just awful the whole time, you know. <laughs> Anyways, it's kind of like in that, that, you know, these girls in, in high school and, you know, your face, you know, they're like all like buddy, buddy and, and nice. And then they like undercut you. Yeah. And whenever you leave, you know, they got their burn book. and all they're, they're sabotaging each other left and right. And all of them are in on it, but they don't know it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gossip is usually involved yes. in a lot of this, like you said, um, you know, they take, you know, personal information that you may have given them. And then they're kind of like start to slowly, you know, creeps out. Uh, to other people. And so, uh, so how do we respond to frenemies? Uh, what, what, what would you say? Um, that one's, I think it's tough. First, you have to identify mm-hmm. a frenemy and you have to be aware of who those people are because if you, I mean, if you don't know, like on the outside, looks like it looks like they're your friend, mm-hmm. right? But really, when, when the rubber meets the road, where the rubber meets the road, they're really not. Mm-hmm. Right, and so I think the the first step is being able to identify a frenemy, and I don't think that's always very easy to do. Yeah, it depends on how how slick they are. Yeah, um, and how overt they are in their kind of like adversity against you. Yeah, and uh, and part of the the problem. So kind of the next step. So once you identify them, uh, I think Pastor Lee even mentioned in his sermon that it can be tough to get away from those kinds of people because they tend to be uh, coworkers. They tend mm-hmm. to be family members, even people that uh, even if you wanted to be able to you know, create some separation between you and them, it's difficult to do that. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So I, I would say a good way to identify a, f- a friend of me, and I'm going a little bit more on the gossip route side of things is if someone is a little too eager to listen to all your problems, they might be in that 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 vein. Like, like if they're if they're really eager to be a lending ear to gossip, be careful mm-hmm. because in the same way they'll hear you gossip, they'll they'll spread that elsewhere. Oh yeah, um, and so well, so that's very much. Yeah, and then uh, even uh, when I work at the uh, in the schools, um, so I don't know we've talked about this before, but the teachers' lounge is generally <laughs> a place to avoid avoid the teachers' lounge. Tons of gossip and. And so you'll have uh, people uh, that work there get together and just like trash a coworker, and oh my gosh, I can't believe that they did this or said that or you know they got this going on and whatever else and just go on and on and on, and and then you know the the uh, conference period's over, break time's over, whatever you go back to your classroom and you just can't help but wonder and think. Okay, they said all of that about this person over here. What in the world are they saying yeah. about me? Yeah, absolutely. And, so, and that's one where 
you know, somebody that does yeah. that, you, you yeah. be, be aware. And, and that's, a, that's a good way to identify. Yeah. So if you see someone being a frenemy to other people, then that leads to the question, like you said, okay, are they being a friend of me to me? Right. Like in the same way they're deceiving that person, are they deceiving me? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Pastor Lee gives his own verse on how to respond to this, but, but one of the verses is in Proverbs that this makes me think of is um, deceptive are the kisses of an enemy, uh, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Yeah. And so the, the idea being is that a frenemy will be nice to your face and backstab you behind your back. Mm-hmm. But scriptures, which describes the, the kisses of an enemy in that proverb, where what scripture says is that what a true friend does is flips those around. Mm-hmm. A true friend will um, not be cordial to you. Well, they'll be cordial, but but they won't they won't, you know, butter you up in person. If they're going to say something to you, or if they're going to say something about a situation that you're in, they're going to say it to you in a constructive way, mm-hmm. not behind your back in a tearing down way. Right, right. And so it's like, you know, faithful of the wounds of a friend. You know, we typically don't, we typically don't, we, we, we typically like frenemies because they're nice to us mm-hmm. and they don't ever say anything bad to us but they're saying something bad to you. It's just behind your back. Right. Uh, and we typically don't like the, kind of the biblical friendship of, of wounding you to your face, but the Bible's like, no, you need friends like that yeah. um, who aren't going to uh, you know, talk about you on the drive home, but actually help you and things. Yes. So, so here's a few uh, responses that, that Pastor Lee gives about friend, frenemies on how to respond to it. One, put, put boundaries. If you identify someone like that, um, the Bible doesn't say you have to be best friends with everyone. Right. Uh, that, that's a, a big thing. Like I think sometimes people conflate forgiveness with trust again, yeah. and like, oh, we have to be best friends. No, you don't have to be best friends. The Bible doesn't say you have to be best friends. Uh, you can be cordial to each other, but you don't. You don't have to talk to each other. There's billions of people on this earth. Right. Um, you can't be best friends with everyone. You don't have to be best friends with everyone. But what if you have already exchanged? best friends forever little bracelets or necklaces or something then what well i mean those necklaces already have like a heart that's broken in half <laughs> yeah. and so the heart's already broken right uh, so that's that yeah so you don't have to worry about it anymore um, hey, i'm trying to get us off track yeah so. yeah uh but put up boundaries the second one that gives is, is kind of in the same vein use wisdom mm-hmm. as to how much personal information you share with them uh and this is actually something that's again if someone if someone is quick to gossip about someone else, be very careful with what information you share with them. Because in the same way they'll share gossip with you, they'll share your gossip with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe they won't, but they've they've given me no track record to believe that they won't. Right. And so, uh, yeah, use wisdom with how much personal information you give them. And then pray for them. Mm-hmm. Pray for them. We, we've talked about this before on how to pray for enemies. And you pray for enemies in the same way that you would pray for people that you love. You don't pray in the sense of like, God, I pray that you smite them. them. <laughs> that you would bring judgment upon them. It's like, no, just pray for their lives. Um, everyone expresses um, or, or everyone has proclivities that stress pushes them towards. So like some people, if, if they have a proclivity to anger, stress is going to push them to anger. Right. If they have a proclivity to depression, stress is going to push them to depression, gossip. Uh, everyone has an outlet that their sin funnels into mm-hmm. and stress pushes, pushes them further into that area. And so a lot of times what you can pray for is like, okay, if, if they're being pushed towards gossip and um, adversity towards others, Maybe pray that like 
like everything in their home life is okay. Mm-hmm. That, that all that can get together and so on and so forth. You got any thoughts? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Jesus tells us, uh, it was in the Sermon on the Mount, right? You've heard it said, you shall love your enemy, or sorry, you shall love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. Uh, I tell you, love your enemy, uh, you know, pray for them, do good for those who persecute you. And so uh, in a lot of ways, you know, frenemies really, really aren't good friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're, they're more on, I think, I would categorize them more on that enemy side mm-hmm. of things. And, you know, we were, uh, we were enemies uh, of God uh, before we were saved, and uh, He was gracious and kind and merciful to us. He was, he was good to us. And so in the same way that God was merciful and good to us, we ought to uh, return that uh, to our enemies, which yeah. would include frenemies. Which would include frenemies. Here's a scripture that he shared. This is actually, a, we forgot to read it, the scripture yeah. for the, the whole sermon. Um, but he says this in Second Timothy 2. He says, And the Lord's servant, which is us, must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this can really apply to, to all of these, yeah. um, but, but even more specifically to the frenemy in that uh, once you identify, okay, this person is a friend of me, they're not for me, they're against me, it's easy to like get like a little bitter and oh, resentful. Yeah. And uh, like clearly it says here, don't slip into that that area, uh, but be kind, as you mentioned, love, pray for your enemies, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Yeah. And, it's, and it's tough because especially if, if you, this is a person you thought was your friend mm-hmm. and then turns out not really, mm-hmm. like that's even uh, that's even a letdown. That'll yeah. let the air out of your sails real fast. Yeah, and, and you just have to use some wisdom, mm-hmm. uh, like we mentioned earlier, on how you choose your friends. Uh, Paul says in Second Corinthians, uh, don't be fooled. Bad company corrupts good morals. Yeah. And so uh, who, who you surround yourself will affect your walk with Jesus. And so um, just, yeah. Use, use some discernment and uh, who you allow to be close to you. Uh, Judah, you have any thoughts on how to respond to a friend of me? Be nice. Be nice. Yes, be good. Mm. That says Judah. Okay. All right. So that's the friend of me. Next is the chatterbox. Since you, since you labeled yourself as the chatterbox, I'll let you describe them. Well, a chatterbox is somebody who just talks. And talks and talks and talks and talks and uh, you know I I'm back and let you talk yeah I was a little bit hamstrung because we're we're trying to um, you know pick one which one of the four fits us best and I are you trying to backtrack your, a, a your little statement? bit so yeah. all I'm trying to say is I know people who are more chatterboxy than me mm-hmm. and I get I get it right mm-hmm. I, I understand the uh, the frustrations uh, and things like that um, but. Uh, these are people that are, uh, you know, TMI a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Too much, hey, too much information. Yeah, and this one can really almost go two ways because on one end the chatterbox, you could take it the route of like an extrovert, right? Right. Yeah. So, someone who just likes people and likes talking and likes socializing. Mm-hmm. Um, like if there's, there's a, like if introverts see a group of people and run the other way, extroverts see a group of people and they're like, hey, <laughs> yeah. what's, what's up, going guys? on, guys? <laughs> um, so, so that's one way to go. Right. Lee actually took it a little bit different way. He yeah. took it more in the sense of like too much information, um, oversharing, oversharing. Um, you know, uh, usually people who are are chatterboxes are a little bit kind of me focused, right? Um, and and everything's about their life and, and what's mm-hmm. going on, so and so. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Just exactly. making that clarification, right? Yeah. And yeah. so a chatterbox might be somebody that 
you know, like our standard greeting is, hey, good morning. How are you today? Right. Mm-hmm. And the standard response is, I'm doing well. How are you? It's, oh, I'm also doing well. Okay. Then we can move on. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, that greeting. It's not fake. It's just what we do. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, things may not be going super well, but normally we just still say good because that's how we say hello. Yep. Right. Um, so the, the chatterbox might be somebody that is simply an acquaintance. Right. Somebody mm-hmm. we don't know very well. They don't know us very well. And hey, good morning. How are you? Well, let me tell you about how I am. Hey, and then don't ask the question if you don't <laughs> want to hear the answer. <laughs> right. But it's our greeting. This is how <laughs> we work, you know. Um, and, you know, if things are going on, like definitely reach out. You yeah. know, there's, there's nothing wrong with mm-hmm. that. Uh, but. Uh, there is a level of oversharing where it's like, dude, I did not need to hear that. So, so that is, um, so, so we're going to get into how to respond to a chair box, but, but you, that's, that's a, you said there's a place for that. Um, and that's probably oh, good. Yeah. So if you find yourself to be the chair box that you just overshare and, uh, and, and, you know, just dump all your problems on everyone you talk to. Uh, one way that you can kind of combat that is find a, a core group of friends. Yeah. Um, who can can practice out Galatians six two bear one another's burdens, and man, if there's a time in your life that that you're just struggling and you just need to like let people help bear that burden, find a core group of people who will do that. The person you just met in the grocery store probably Not isn't going to be that person. Right. Um, there's even a meme about that. <laughs> yeah, it's. Um, you go up and you're uh, explaining something about, uh, I don't know, uh, it could be whatever, the intricacies of American politics. And then they're like, this is a Wendy's, sir. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Like, like, oh, this is not an appropriate time or place to yeah. talk about this? Yes. Uh, okay. All yes. right. Yes, I've heard that. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just uh, very much, yeah, find the appropriate time. And then also... Uh, Lean into the grace of God to sustain you to where you don't have to feel the burden of it all the time. And uh, let me explain what I mean by that. I heard John Piper talk about this, and I thought it was – I was actually going through a pretty dark time in my life when I heard him talk about it. And I thought it was was pretty profound because usually when we think about, okay, all the struggles that we're going through, it's just so forward-focused in our life that now it's everything. Like, Like every single person we talk to, okay, you need to know about this. And what we don't realize is while those problems are very real, that approach to it is a very me-centered approach. You're right. Um, and so John Piper is kind of answering the question of, okay, if someone's dealing with all these things, do they have the right, for lack of a better way to put it, to go into like a group of people having a good time and just ruin everything with all their problems? And one of the things, he, he talked about uh, quite a few things, um, some of the things that we talked about, but but one of them he talked about was, the grace of God can sustain you through this next hour of your life mm-hmm. to where you can just be part of the group. Not, not, and it's not focused on you, but it's focused on um, the, the group as a whole. And, uh, and I never thought about it that way. But it's like, while all these problems are so focused right here, we, we, we shouldn't forget that the grace of God is bigger than those mm-hmm. things. And surely the grace of God can, can sustain me for the next hour yes. until I can have a moment an appropriate moment to, to go deal with those things. Right. Um, easier said than done. <laughs> yes. yes. Easier said is. than done. Uh, but, but I thought that was really insightful when I heard him say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
So, let's see. What are some ways that he said that we can Yes, how can we deal respond? with them? Uh, he brought up, um, is it Kenny Rogers, the gambler? No one to hold him, no one to fold him, yep. no one to walk away, no one to run. Yeah, sometimes it's uh, in dealing with somebody who's a chatterbox, right? Just knowing when the right time to sort of step away from that conversation. Or, so or, as the person who – so you're talking to the overshare, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And saying no when to just kind of step away from that yeah. conversation. Yeah, yeah. okay. Right. Um, and, and having kids is a beautiful way to do that. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I think I heard a small child saying that they need their dad. Yeah. And anyway, mm-hmm. um, yeah, sometimes it's it's that way. And uh, I've, I've, I know people who are chatterboxes who are shamelessly chatterboxes. And, like, you can even have a side conversation while they're chatterboxing away. Mm-hmm. And they don't skip. They don't even miss a beat. <laughs> they just keep talking. And then by the time that you're done with your side conversation, you look back over and they're still going. And it's mm-hmm. like, how are you still going? Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Um, and even standing up and walking away, uh, sometimes they're liable to follow you. Mm-hmm. And th- yeah, that's- Well, and I think one of the things you can do is... Um, because uh, th- th- this one's hard because there's a there's a pretty big spectrum. We could be talking about someone that you just met, right? Uh, or we could be talking about someone who you are friends with, mm-hmm. and they're just they're just oversharing in that moment or whatever. Um, l- l- let's lean into that that okay. side of things. Let's say it's someone who you know, and they're just clearly going through a hard time right now. But maybe we're in the middle of a grocery store yeah. or, or whatever, and just now is not the time. Yeah, uh, t- to have this conversation, we might be in the middle of a hundred people. Um. Maybe one of the things you can do is um, acknowledge, hey, I realize you're going through a hard time right now. Uh, how about we go grab coffee Yeah. later? Yeah. Um, and, and we can talk all through this. And then you, it can actually be a a a um, like counseling moment, not in the sense of like you're counseling right. them, but in the sense of you're giving counsel. Right. And one of the things you can do, uh, I've had to do this, I've had it done to me, is gently after after building up a rapport on that subject, just gently say, Hey, I think it's time we let this go. Yeah. I've had to do that. Uh, I've uh, had people have to do that. And it's, it's one of those things like uh, when I've, when I've had it done to me, it's almost like a wake up call of like, Oh, I'm talking about this a lot. Yeah. I'm talking about this more than I think I'm talking about this. Yeah. Uh, and maybe that's one of the, the kindest things you can do is bring awareness to, hey, I think I think you're moving into the resentful side. So like mm. we're, we're talking into resentfulness and not being resentful in that passage. It's just uh, kind of give them some good biblical counsel and be like, I think we need to move on yeah. from this. You're allowing yeah. this to, to It's festering eat. a little yeah, bit. Yeah, 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 very much. Um. He, he shares a couple of scriptures on how to not be an oversharer, how to not be a chatterbox in this uh, sense. You want to share some of those? Uh, yeah. Psalm 141, verse 3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. So that's the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's uh, The psalmist is uh, praying, um, and, and the, the mouth, the tongue, our lips uh, are all, uh, they're all problems for all of us. Yeah, it reminds me of... I, I always quote Proverbs, but I never know the actual address. Uh, so, you know, just look up later. But there's a proverb that says, uh, the power of the tongue, or uh, in the power of the tongue brings uh, life or death. Yeah. And uh, that's very much true. Um, 
in a lot of ways. There, oh, yeah. And there's a spectrum on, on how that can span out. But sometimes I ask myself, if I go have coffee with someone on the way home, uh, I'll be like, did I bring life in that conversation or did I bring death in that yeah. conversation? And uh, just be a little bit retrospective um, or introspective to ask, like, how, how could I, was I a little bit too complainy? Um, or was I not encouraging? Did I butt in too much? Like, like, cause as Christians, we want people to walk away and, and see, feel and experience the life of Jesus uh, that he gives us. And if what we're doing is just bringing death upon that, then that just actually like hurts our witness. Yes. That. Right. Yeah. And, uh, James, uh, in the same vein has a lot to say about the tongue. Mm-hmm. Uh, James one twenty six says, If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. And then James one nineteen, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Like there is a lot of wisdom in those oh, yeah. passages. Yeah. Um, and, and so for the, the chatterbox, right, reminding ourselves that, hey, um, we don't have to get the last word in. Uh, maybe we don't know everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, gathering more information and then being slow to speak as you process that information is wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, the Bible talks about uh, the tongue a lot. And, and of course, when they say the tongue, it's, like, it's about what we Speech, say. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's for good reason. You know, what Jesus said, it's like, you know, uh, what's, what goes in a person is going to come out mm-hmm. a person. And so the tongue, your speech reveals your heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and your ability to, to get a rain on your tongue is a demonstration of your ability to get a rain on your heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and again, this flushes out in many different ways. This this actually could could apply to every single one of these things. Oh yeah, uh, whether it's about gossip or oversharing or or anything like that. Um, just be very very careful to get a rein on your speech, mm-hmm. um, and not in the sense of like masking what's going on right. here, but in the sense of like. Fix this. Yeah. Like, and, and the natural byproduct of this. Yeah. Like, is my heart responding rightly to what I'm hearing? Mm-hmm. If it's not, then it's, I need to bridle my tongue for sure and get my heart right before I speak. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of wisdom that in marriage. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I, you know, honestly, I don't know well, what you're talking yeah, about. Well, yeah. My wife is really easy to live with and uh, I, I never uh, say anything that I have to take back. Because she's just so great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're like, liar. <laughs> I'm going uh, gonna to control my speech. Oh, there you go. <laughs> That's too bad. I was waiting on a snappy comeback. But oh, God. Uh, yes. I'm just, I'm, I'm learning as we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's, uh, that's the first two, the frenemy, uh, the chatterbox. The third one, the slightly crazy... You want to share with us what he what he gets at with this, um, uh, like his story, uh, that, no, just generally the, about oh, okay. what he's uh, what, what does it mean? Yeah, he's slightly crazy. Uh, so there's he said there is a difference between being slightly crazy and crazy crazy. Uh, there's not a whole lot that you can do with crazy crazy, uh, but all of us in different ways are slightly crazy. Um, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, all of us are. Yeah. Um, we all have proclivities to. 
uh, dysfunctions yes. and whatnot. Yes, yeah. different dysfunctions and, and things like that. Um, and so, and there's there's a spectrum and there's a range, right? Slightly crazy might look oh, like one thing for one person and it may be something that's more severe or more mild just depending on who you are uh, and, and, yeah, where you're at, mm-hmm. basically. Um, but uh, he uh, he also pointed out, uh, was it this one where he said, yeah, if everybody's looking at you, you're probably the slightly crazy one, or was that the, maybe that was the chatterbox, I don't remember. Um, I think it was the chatterbox. It was probably, yeah. okay, maybe it was the chatterbox, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, when it comes to uh, dealing with those who are slightly crazy, uh, the first one, uh, the first point that he brings up is that God loves crazy people too, mm-hmm. and uh, which is good because all of us are at least slightly, yeah. slightly crazy. And mm-hmm. so, just like uh, the frenemy, even though slightly crazy people can be difficult to live with, difficult to deal with, we should love them uh, mm-hmm. just in the same way that that the Lord does. Yeah. Uh, now he mentioned David here. He said, "Oh yeah." He said right. David was slightly crazy because he danced naked. Uh, in the temple. That's a little crazy. I always thought that was a prescriptive text. Of it's like, not. Uh, this is how no, you no, properly no, no. worship before the Lord. <laughs> Let's nip that in the bud right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my gosh. Could you imagine? Oh. I wonder, yeah. wonder if there's churches that do that. Just dance naked? Yeah. At the nudist colony, maybe. Yeah. But, oh, man. It, just, yeah. I mean, because out there, there's... For every, like, uh, action that a person in the Bible has taken, there's some denomination out there or sect of Christianity that takes that as, like, prescriptive. That's what we're supposed to do. So, surely there's someone out there that's like, David had a heart after God, so... Uh, I guess we should do this. Let's, uh, yeah, and let's, uh, but let's not entertain this because <laughs> at the same time, I mean, uh, David was Saul's musician for a while, or that's that's one of the roles that he served in, and Saul's like throwing spears at David, and so we don't need people throwing spears at us Sunday mornings uh, if the music's not quite what we want. Says uh, you. It's not prescriptive. It's descriptive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Let's wrap this one up before we uh, <laughs> before we hurt ourselves. Yeah. But pulling back again to our previous passage, uh, be kind to everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, was, that was the response. You know, whenever, whether you're dealing with someone who is in a clinical case of, yeah. of something is mentally wrong, or if you're dealing with normal everyday persons that have proclivities to uh, to dysfunctions, mm-hmm. be kind to them. Yeah. yeah work with them. Yeah, uh, knowing that you are probably just as dysfunctional as they are. Right. And I, honestly, before we move on, I really liked his second point. What was uh, the second one? The When it comes to how to deal with people who are slightly crazy, do not call them crazy. <laughs> Especially <laughs> in your, your experience. Does that not, or, oh, okay. Uh, I see. Is what he said in the sermon. So, yeah, if I mean... Yeah, that's just, don't do that. It's kind of like a... Have you ever called your wife crazy? I'm sure I have. <laughs> I'm sure she's called me crazy uh, as well. But, uh, man, it's it's kind of like the you and you're in an argument with somebody and they're escalating the argument and you tell them, hey, just, hey, calm down. You need to calm down. Like, mm-hmm. 0% of the time, does that ever result in anybody actually calming down? Uh, with my daughter, 
I tell her to calm down. Oh, really? Does and it work? Calm. So I usually, whenever she's like really worked up, um, there's kind of like two, oh, this doesn't have anything to do with anything, but uh, there's two levels of like her being worked up. One is like nothing's talking her down. That's when we, we go to the room and yeah. it's like, okay, go lay down when you, when you've calmed down, come back out. Yeah. And then there's like, she's worked up, but, but she's reasonable. Mm-hmm. And it's in those times I'm like, okay, I'll, like I'll, I'll work with her through a, a few steps. And I'll say, okay, calm down, take a deep breath. Calm down, and we'll just slowly work herself down to yeah. where she can articulate what's wrong and stuff like that. So, so my daughter, you know, kind of works. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, what I'm thinking more of is two adults in an, in the midst of an argument. Yes, uh, I dated a girl in college, and uh, if I use the words "calm down," <laughs> uh, it did not go well. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that just, uh, and suddenly she just blew her top and, and boom. And yeah. And it's got 10 times worse. I don't think I've ever told Randy to calm down. She very rarely gets to a point that, that uh, you know, she's like worked up. Like right. That. Now she's pretty uh, even kill. Yeah. Uh, seems like it anyway. All right. Let's keep going before I incriminate myself. <laughs> okay. The introvert. Now this one was funny. Uh, and we mentioned it to Lee because yeah. all the first three were presented as some level of dysfunction and then the introvert had all the grace in the world for the introverts. <laughs> right. Like the the first three is like, okay, here, here's how you can biblically like, like love them and tolerate them. And then on the introvert, okay, here's how you need to tolerate her <laughs> and like be be gracious to the introvert. Oh, and he even said yeah. straight up, he's like, yeah. now the introvert is not like the other three. This <laughs> yeah. one's different. This is what I am. And so yeah. now, if y'all don't know, <laughs> Pastor Lee is an introvert as well. And so we we lovingly confronted him in the staff meeting sure and yep. said, "Hey, we think that you went easy on the introvert because you're an introvert," and he agreed. <laughs> 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 Anyways, no um, introvert. I'm an introvert. Um, I uh, I recoup alone, uh, but. What sometimes people can do, they can allow their introvertedness to be an excuse to not fulfill the commands of God, Hmm. right? And so that's always something to keep in mind here uh, in the balance of that, that that God didn't give Moses a pass because Moses wasn't good at talking, right? right? Uh, He still called Moses to do what uh, he was called to do. And same thing with introverts. Uh, If you're a functional introvert where you can still maintain conversations all the way to you're such an introvert that you have a hard time even, um, you know, giving the waiter your own order, uh, it's not an excuse to not fulfill the commands of God. Right. So that's just a preface to this. Okay. That being said, what does he have to say about the introvert? Um, introverts. Uh, he says that um, the goal of any friend is to connect and that introverts do want to connect with mm-hmm. people. It's just how to go about doing that mm-hmm. and, and actually being successful in pulling that off. Um, and so that's why on the other side, he stresses that, okay, for friends of introverts, or if you're trying to be friends with somebody who's introverted, like the way that you approach them, uh, the level of patience that that takes to get them to open up over time uh, is really the the name of the game mm-hmm. uh, to connecting mm-hmm. uh, with introverted people. Because yep. it, it, can, it can be tough. Dude, it can. So, so I did connections for a while, did student ministry for a while. You're doing connections now. So you've probably experienced this before. 
Um, I will, there was times I would go up to someone who's new here and I would talk to them, uh, you know, we'd spend five minutes talking and I would walk away from that conversation thinking they do not like me at all. Like they don't want to be here. They don't like me. They are annoyed that I was even talking Mm -hmm. to them. And then we'll come back the next week, talk to them again, walk away with the same feeling. They did not like that. They do not want me. And then the third week, something flips Mm -hmm. and they're like, Hey, How's it going? And then I realized, oh, it's not that they didn't like me. It's that maybe they're just shy and they're introverted. And and what they were, what, what their body language was presenting, I interpreted it as they don't like me. But what it really was is I'm introverted. I'm shy. I'm uncomfortable in this new place. And it's going to take me a few weeks yeah. to get there. Have you experienced that? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, definitely. I mean, sometimes... You walk up to people, and Pastor Lee even mentioned this uh, about like first-time visitors and uh, people who are relatively new. Uh, there was a couple that I talked to, uh, I think two or three Sundays in a row, and um, I haven't seen them in a while. They're not still coming here, but uh, I, I went to go uh, shake their hands and, and meet them. They were already sitting in the sanctuary, and the husband, like the entire time that I was talking, because you know, like when you're trying to meet somebody new, you want to be friendly and expressive and. Uh, show that you know you're genuine. Like, hey, mm-hmm. I'm really glad that you're here. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm very happy to get to meet you. And so you smile, you know, and and you have a, a face on that's welcoming. Um, and this guy, <laughs> this guy, his face was like this the whole time. It was. I'm like, and it's hard to talk to somebody yep. like that. It's like because you're not getting anything back. Randy calls it rowing the boat. Is that what it is? Yeah. Well, that, that's what she. I don't know if it's, what she calls it. That's what she calls it. Whenever you're in a conversation that you're not getting a lot back, you're the only one rowing the boat. Okay. Yeah. Um, so in a typical conversation, you're both rowing. Right. Like there's a little give and take. Um, but uh, for people like that. You're you're the only one rowing. Oh man! And so you just gotta keep going. Oh, it was rough. And yeah. uh, so I was talking to him, and and I'm just I'm not getting anything. And so I finally just looked over at, at his wife, and she was a little bit more expressive. I'm like, okay, I guess I'll talk to you then, because <laughs> this guy doesn't seem like he wants to talk to me mm. at all. Mm. Um, and they, like I said, they seem like nice people, but I, you know, they hadn't been in uh, in a while, in a long time. So yeah, yeah. Well, uh, how do we respond? To introverts one uh be graceful so like i, I know for me and, and here i am i'm going to do the same thing that lee did <laughs> i'm going to give a lot of grace to the introvert because i am one so there's times that like uh when i am socially done like i'm done like like it's just hard for me um and i've what i found is prior to kids and prior to marriage when i was at home it was all introvert time um like social um, exertion was like not there. And so whenever I did go out in public, man, I was ready to go. Like, like, uh, I was, uh, my introverted cup was filled mm-hmm. and ready to be poured out. Um, especially since having kids, my introverted cup is constantly poured out at home because my daughter is very social. Yep. My son is becoming very social. And so, uh, there's just a lot of socialness that I do at home and what I've found is I have to be all the more intentional when I leave the house because it's my introverted cup isn't completely full. And so there's times that if my if my introvert cup is completely poured out, I might come across like those guys where like I'm just kind of like I look like I hate the world and I hate everyone when in reality it's like like I, I just need some time mm-hmm. like just 
in here. Right. <laughs> uh, and so, th- so that's one way to respond is just to be full of grace, like in the same way that when I was talking to those people and my knee jerk reaction was to think they hate me. They hate being here. Um, the more I did, the more I, graceful I got to, to be charitable, to think, okay, maybe, maybe it's not that they hate it. Maybe it's not that they hate me and they're like being mean. Maybe it's just they're introverts. Right. And they just take some time. Yeah. Um, so I have a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to being introverted, do you think being introverted um, has to do with uh, unknowns with other people and not being able to like control a situation? Um, for some, maybe. Uh, so, like, there's some that uh, so I had a student once. And maybe this was less introvertedness and more that where she literally could not order her own food. Like whenever we go somewhere, she would have to have one of the adult leaders order it. And she asked me one time, I'm not doing it. You're going to order your own food. And so I think for her, I think the, the fear of an unknown conversation, because like she could order, right. but then what if they ask her a question right. and she doesn't know what to say. I think, I think that played a lot into it, but I don't think that was as much introvertedness as like, Anxiety of the unknown. Gotcha. gotcha. For me, this is not the case gotcha. at all. I, I I don't mind unknown conversations at all. Um, for me, it's much more. Uh, my tank is empty, mm-hmm. and because my tank is empty, I have a hard time exerting uh, energy. Because because gotcha. like uh, like a pure extrovert, their cup is refilled by social interaction, yeah. and is drained by a lack of social interaction. A pure introvert is their cup is filled by um, being alone and it's drained by by social interaction. Not that they don't like social interaction. Right. It's just it, it drains them um, more than it would an extrovert. So so that's what it is for me. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. I can't speak for everyone. but Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, I read an article one time, this was years ago, that the happiest introverts are the introverts who act like they're extroverts. Yeah, no. So, so there's a great misconception. So, yeah. So introverts will convince themselves they don't need friends because they're happier alone, and that works for about five seconds, uh, and then you realize just because you're an introvert, you're not exempt from how God designed us, mm-hmm. and God designed for us to have relationships, and we just have to go about it a different way. And so, um, in the same way, like an extrovert might get themselves into trouble by being too social. Mm-hmm. An introvert might get themselves into trouble by being too isolated. Uh, so introverts just have to work all the harder to be social, to cultivate relationships, because whether you're an introvert or not, you need relationships. Uh, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yep. So for more on introverts, you can check out my other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Judy, you have anything to add since you said you were an introvert? No, you pretty much nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah, you're like, yeah. yeah. Amen. Yeah, amen to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so Pastor Lee wrapped up the whole sermon with, with this verse, and I think it's um, uh, probably a good way to conclude it is First, first Peter 4, 9, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. So, as you deal with relationships, we tend to have a, not a lot of grace for struggles we don't understand like the slightly crazy the chatterbox and the frenemy if you're an introvert exactly yeah <laughs> uh so if if you're not a frenemy if that's not your proclivity towards gossip and adversity and whatnot 
you, you don't have much grace for the frenemy. But if you are someone that does struggle with that, you're going to have a lot of grace for the frenemy mm-hmm. knowing because you know, like, for whatever reason, that's just your struggle. Same thing, uh, introverts, you're going to have a lot of grace for introverts. Um, chatterboxes, you're going to have a lot of grace for chatterboxes. Uh, and so the, the tricky part is going to be to show grace and offer hospitality for the things that you don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing that we all struggle in one way or another. No, you're not, you're not excusing sin, but you're just understanding we all struggle with sin in different ways. Um, so for some people who struggle with anger, some people don't. And so uh, if you don't struggle with anger, you're going to look at someone that struggles with anger and be like, just stop being angry. Right. Stop. Or if like you don't struggle with depression <laughs> and you see someone else struggling with depression, you just say, just stop being depressed. Right. Just quit it. Just what are you stop. doing? <laughs> if you don't struggle with gossip, you look at someone else and say, just stop gossiping. Um, and there's a part of that yeah. that needs to be said. Um, but mixed with that is a level of grace knowing um, you know, you want to help them through mm-hmm. it and be hospitable through it. Amen. Any last thoughts? Um, no. Uh, no, I don't think so. Just it's, uh, uh, it's good to be able to uh, recognize some of these different personality types mm-hmm. um, and how to best uh, you know, approach them, address them, how to uh, be friends with them, how to be gracious to them. And I think at the, the base of all of this is, hey, just be, you know, understanding. Mm-hmm. You know, having understanding and that grace uh, for uh, all sorts of different people. Uh, including the ones that are coming next week. Yeah. yeah. We're all a work in progress. Yep. Um, for those that place their faith in Christ, we're all being sanctified. And sometimes we have to sharpen iron uh, yep. with each other. But the Proverbs also say um, it's uh, to a man's glory to overlook an offense. Mm-hmm. And so balancing those two things. Yep. yep. All right. Well, that's the sermon uh, from the Sunday, How to Get Along with Anyone, part one. And uh, how do you deal with different... Um, dysfunctions in people such as frenemies and uh, chatterboxes and slightly crazy um, and introverts. Overall, be kind to everyone, be hospitable to everyone, um, show grace and the love of Christ to everyone. Um, Yeah. Cool. Sounds good. All right. Well, check back in next week and we're going to keep doing that. But for now, it's time for the Bad Doctrine of the Week. It's the Bad Doctrine of the Week. All right, this week's Bad Doctor of the Week comes to us from uh, a lady, a pastor, lady pastor, uh, from the United Church of Christ. Her name is Rachel Small Stokes, and she wrote what is affectionately known as the Sparkle Creed. Oh, well, I would, uh, at first when I heard Sparkle Creed, I thought this was the the way that Roxanne chose to live her life. Did Roxanne write this creed? Yeah. Uh, Because she loves sparkles. No, hopefully she did not, um, as we're going to get into it. Yeah, she did not, just to be clear. Uh, Roxanne has nothing to do with this, (laughs) just to be clear. Yes, she has nothing to do with this. Um, There's a video online. um, uh, Let's show that video. We're going to show that video right now, and then we'll come back. Confess our faith today in the words of the Sparkle Creed. I believe in the non-binary God whose pronouns are plural. I believe in Jesus Christ, their child, who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads and saw everyone as a sibling child of God. I believe in the rainbow spirit who shatters our image of one white light and refracts it into a rainbow of gorgeous diversity. I believe in the church of everyday saints as numerous, creative, and resilient as patches on the ace quilt. 
whose feet are grounded in mud, and whose eyes gaze at the stars in wonder. I believe in the calling to each of us that love is love is love. So beloved, let us love. I believe, glorious God, help my unbelief. Okay, here's what that said, and we're gonna take we're we're gonna turn this into a mini series for uh, Bad Doctor of the Week, but we're gonna break this down for each one. But it says this. We're going to recap it. I believe in the non-binary God (laughs) whose pronouns are plural. I believe in Jesus Christ, their child, who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads and saw everyone as a sibling child of God. I believe in the rainbow spirit who shatters our image of one white light and refracts it into a rainbow of gorgeous diversity. A lot of adjectives in this. I like it. (laughs) I believe in the church of everyday saints as numerous creative and resilient as patches on a quilt whose feet are grounded in mud and whose eyes glaze at the stars and wonder. I believe in the calling to each of us that love is love is love. So beloved, let us love. I believe glorious God help my unbelief. Amen. All right. A lot done back there. We cannot do all this in one setting. So we're going to break this down by statement. And just quickly show why this is maybe not the best doctrine, um, certainly not the best creed, because creeds are usually statements of faith, right? This is bad doctrine, much more bad statement of faith. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, l- 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 let's do the, the first statement. The well, first statement. Well, why don't we back up just okay, a little you bit? back up? Okay. Creeds. Okay. Let's talk about what the creeds are first. Mm-hmm. So, this thing... <laughs> This thing <laughs> claims to be a creed. Yeah. Okay. The historic creeds and confessions of the the Christian faith, the universal Orthodox Christian faith, are just that. They are uniform and they are universal, right? Mm-hmm. So, for example, uh, the uh, the Apostles' Creed, uh, the Nicene Creed, right? These are creeds that it's not just like you have a splinter group of of Christians over here that they're like, you know what? We need a creed to really outline and define who it is that we are. I mean, that's this is part of what creeds do, but the creeds of the church are, they were universal, right? This is something that everybody can get behind. This is what we agree that scripture says, here's the creed, right? Mm-hmm. Or here's this confession of faith. This one, the Sparkle Creed, uh, I don't know about you. I'm going to go with this is not anywhere near close to universal. I'm <laughs> probably not. No. Um, this isn't. Might be universalist. Yes, uh, universalist <laughs> is for sure. We'll call it that. Uh, but uh, just, just to get that out of the way, that's yes. one of the things that irritates me about this. Is, is that oh, they call it a creed? Yeah, they yeah. call it a creed. Yeah. Like, like that, uh, just no. Yeah, because what, what a creed does is that it, it clarifies orthodoxy. Right. Uh, and this, some would argue, does the opposite. <laughs> this will clarify heterodoxy for <laughs> yeah. us very clearly. Yes. So, all right. So we're going to explain get, all this yeah, over the, the next yeah. few weeks. We're going to take a statement at a time, uh, so that way we don't take up too much time. But yeah. So the first statement: I believe in the non-binary God, whose pronouns are plural. Now, here's one thing that frustrates me. So, so the whole. Okay, this skews very much left-leaning ideology, LGBTQ plus agenda. Uh, 
And we see that in this very first statement. Now, one of the aspects of the LGBTQ plus agenda is preferred pronouns, Mm -hmm. meaning I say to you, these are my pronouns. You respect me and acknowledge the reality of my preferred pronouns, Mm -hmm. right? That's, That's the general idea. In the Bible, God states his pronouns. He does. Yeah. He refers to himself as he mm-hmm. and father. And they're not respecting the preferred pronouns. It's a classic case of cherry picking, picking yeah. and choosing and uh, thinking through like, well, okay, where do they get this? These pronouns are plural, not binary. I, I, I think I know where they get this. Is um, it Genesis 1? I think it's Genesis 1. Yeah. Uh, so, so God um, creates the heavens and the earth, and uh, he speaks everything into being. And then right as he goes to create uh, Adam, yeah. he says, let us make man in our own image. Uh, now, there is a plural statement there. Mm-hmm. Does, does that plural statement... Uh, I'll give you two options. Is that a plural statement because, one... God is a Trinitarian God, meaning like there's three in one. <laughs> or is it a plural statement because he's non-binary and doesn't have any specific gender pronouns? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, God is Trinitarian, um, that we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all equally God, yet they each are, are, are a different person, mm-hmm. right? But the essence and nature of God is one. Mm-hmm. And so now it could also be a sort of a, even a royal, like uh, like if a king has a is going to set up set a decree or, or pass a decree, declare a decree, something like that would say, uh, "We hereby declare that you know X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z." Oh, gotcha. It could yeah. also be that, but I, I do think that uh, very early in Genesis, there we do see uh, shadows and uh, of. Uh, the Trinitarian doctrine that that we'll see fully mm-hmm. fleshed out over the course of the New Testament. I think yeah. that's what it is. Yeah, because generally speaking, when you use um, non-binary language, yeah. um, like they, them, uh, these or whatever, uh, is not because there's literally multiples. It, it, it's the they would use they, them because they fall into a non-binary category, right? Um, you know, it's uh, gender neutral. Which yeah, it's a gender neutral thing. We're, yeah. we're looking at. Uh, it's sort of like in, in English, right? If there's a group of people, yeah, you say, hey, uh, look at, at those people over there, or uh, what do they think about this, right? And then that may be a group of just men, just women, group of men and women together. You're right. It just mm-hmm. depends on the circumstances. But that's gender neutral, right, to say that versus... But gender know, neutral towards a group of people. Right, right, towards a group. So we're, it's not like we're talking about like... You know, somehow that changes the gender of the people that you're right. speaking yeah. about. It's neutral because it involves both. Yeah. So whenever a person takes on they them pronouns, it's not because it's they're stripping the group part out of it and leaning into the gender neutral right. part of it. Right. Um, and so I think if they're referencing this Genesis two passage where it says, "Let us make man," um, that's not what happening there right right uh, there uh, god didn't say that because he's trying to strip gender neutrality right out of what he's doing uh what's that word again isogesis uh, isogesis yeah right <laughs> you yeah, reading your own thing into it yeah um well and i also would like to throw out there um this is not the only time that god refers back to himself mm-hmm. um moses asked asked god hey i'm gonna go to these these uh, israelite people 
who should I say sent me? Mm-hmm. And he says, I am. Tell them I am sent you, right? Mm-hmm. Which I don't know if that works with plural pronouns in the Sparkle Creed. Yeah, probably not. Uh, <laughs> now, one thing to note here uh, really quickly yeah. uh, is that Jesus stepped down into humanity. Mm-hmm. So Jesus became a man, yes. right? He's God, became a man. God the Father, a weird uh, gender-specific term there, uh, God the Father does not have human form. Right. Right? Uh, so there is an anthropomorphic mm-hmm. language being used here when uh, God is referring to himself as he or father yep. because he literally has no form. Right. He, ha- he has no sex in that sense. Right. Um, in the sense that he reproduces or, or, right. or whatnot. Um, so there is some anthropomorphic language, but even if you wanted to go down that route of God has no gender, he still referred to himself in gendered language. Right. Um, and so anyways, there, there's a whole rabbit trail that we can go into. With that. Oh, yeah. But anyways, so, so that's kind of the first reason this is bad. Like we're bringing an agenda to the table here yeah. is that even if you want to point out that, that verse where God uses plural language, he's not doing it to make this point. Right. For sure. He's not right. doing it to make this point. Um, likely, most likely he's doing it to uh, give foreshadows of the Trinitarian mm-hmm. aspect of uh, while God is one, there's three persons within mm-hmm. that, that one God. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts? Man, I have a lot of other thoughts, but uh, <laughs> I think we're about out of time. Aren't yeah. We? Uh, yeah, probably so. Um, lots of fun things coming up in the Sparkle Creed. Y'all go check it out for yourself so that way you can be ready for it next time. But um, let us know. Jesus Christ, their child, who are a fabulous student. <laughs> yeah. Like, I cannot wait. <laughs> Is yes. it next week yet? Yeah, right. Yeah. So you let us know in the comments, um, what do you think about this creed? Do you think we should start saying it on Sunday mornings? Oh. <laughs> Be careful what you ask for. Okay. <laughs> Would you go to a church that said that? There you Here's go. the real question. Better. Would you get up and leave? in the middle of a service if the church started reciting this, or would you politely stay? That that might be a better question to ask. I like this question, and I would love to answer it. I hope that by the time that the Sparkle Creed starts to get recited, there are enough other red flags that have popped up that I wouldn't wouldn't be there. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) You walk in, and there's a rainbow. It's like, oh, yes, God's covenant. Right. And then you realize, oh, oh, no. Look at the sign. It's like, oh, PCA. It's like, oh, okay. Turn around. What's PCA? Uh, it's the the more liberal uh, Presbyterian oh uh, denomination denomination yeah. that yeah. they do rainbow stuff and it's like oh yeah. yep wrong church my bad yep all right well stay tuned we're gonna cover this whole creed over the next few weeks um, it's fun it's fun oh yeah yeah it's uh, anyways Judah you got anything we are at one hour and two minutes nice one hour and two minutes so probably when we cut down it'll probably be an hour. Yeah. There we go. All right. Well, let's wrap it up then before we go over an hour. We are glad they all joined us here today. Let us know if you have any thoughts in the comments. Also, like, subscribe, do all that stuff. Um, we're trying to get to 300. Once, what did I say we'll do once we get to 300? Did I say Pizza we'll, party. Pizza party. Yeah. We'll, <laughs> we'll, pizza we'll party. eat pizza while we do it. Help us get a pizza party. We want a pizza party. 300 subscribers. There we go. Okay. All right. Well... We hope you all have a great week. We'll see you all next time.